What a great honour to join with my brothers and sisters here in Sunderland. That was awesome. I think probably the best introduction I've ever received as well. <laughs> you know, the first time I met Paul, it was actually an interview to see if he would be a good roadie and driver for me when I came over. And yeah, he's proven himself to be very faithful. Even though it's voluntary. <laughs> you know, there, I think that there are some commonalities between Aussies and Yorkshiremen. They have the same sense of humour, right? Yeah. Yeah? Am I with com good company here? Yes. So good to be amongst you tonight. And I love the way that you're here and you've gathered for your cities and your towns. I really believe that there is a revolution of hope that God wants to bring in this region. It's the word I kept getting as we prayed, that God wants to bring hope that defeats darkness in this place. Amen. Do you know, I'd been in church all of my life and I hit the age of 21 and I wondered if God was real. My parents had told me that God was real, but I wasn't so sure. My faith felt like a set of beliefs that I adhered to because someone had told me. And then I met a friend and my friend talked about God speaking to her. And I thought, wow, what an interesting idea. Imagine if the God of heaven and earth, the God who knows everything about my life, all of my past, every detail of what I'm thinking right now, a lot of the possibilities of my future. Imagine if I could hear God speak. What would God say? What would it be like? So I decided to give it a go. I thought, I'm going to try this out, see if it works. I'd read about God speaking in the Bible, but I'd never experienced it for myself. So at 21 years old, I sat down and I prayed this prayer. God, could you speak to me? And if you do, could you make it really clear? <laughs> like, none of that fuzzy-wuzzy stuff. God, make it clear. And if you make it clear, I will do whatever you say. Yeah. Mm. Well, the story goes that God spoke to me and God made it clear. So I did what God said. And life turned out to be very different to what I had imagined. I started out my working career as a school teacher teaching children sport. The real football. <laughs> it involves, you know, an egg-shaped ball that you kick very long distances. And then at the age of 26, God called me into ministry, which was an odd call because I didn't think that women could do that sort of thing. <laughs> so I had to work that out. I went to Bible college and I did some study and then I began to be involved in many forms of ministry. I was involved in mission work and youth work. I pioneered a church and taught in Bible colleges, training ministry trainees. And then God spoke to me and he said, Tanya, your job in life is to take everything that you have learnt about hearing my voice and pass it on to other people. And about 15 years ago, the Ministry of God Conversations was born. And the mission of myself and my team is to equip 
people to hear, recognize, and respond to the Holy Spirit. Because I have discovered that having a conversation with God is one of the most life-changing things that could ever happen to you. That to have a conversation and hear the voice of God means that you live in a supernatural reality and that you see God at work in your midst. So I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about the God who speaks back. How does that sound? You know, we've come to pray and to worship. We've come to raise our voices to God. But we long to hear from the other side of the conversation, the voice of Holy Spirit speaking back. How does that sound? Cool? So, Father, we pray, as we have already prayed, that, Holy Spirit, that you would come and be present amongst us. And that most of all, above all else, that your voice would be heard, that your voice would linger, that your voice would take root in our hearts. And, God, that you would speak your supernatural words of spirit and life, words that don't return empty but produce something in us that carry the power to fulfill themselves, that God work miracles on earth as it is in heaven. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. In August 2019, a group of archaeologists made a startling discovery. On the northern coast of Peru, they dug beneath the lonely desert sands and there discovered the skeletons of 227 children between the ages of 4 and 14. Upon further excavation, they realised that all the children had been ritually killed at the same time. They dated the find back to the time of the Chamu tribe, 1,400 years ago. What was happening there? How could these parents bring their beloved children to be sacrificed? Well, the Chimu people were a tribal group, not unlike many other tribal groups. They were religious. They believed in the gods. And they believed that the gods controlled different aspects of nature. And then if you wanted to do well in life, you kept the gods happy particularly the one that you needed at the time. So if you wanted to have children, you would pray to the God of fertility. If you wanted your crops to do well, you'd pray to the weather gods. And the way that you would pray is you would come and you would bring sacrifices, something that was meaningful to you, perhaps some nice fruit and vegetables, the harvest of your perhaps some precious jewellery, the things that were most valued to you. And then if you were really desperate, perhaps your children. And the archaeologists surmised that this area was subject to a weather phenomenon known as El Nino that would trigger landslides and disasters in the area. And probably what was happening on that awful day 1,400 years ago is that the people were desperate to save the life of their village. And the only way they knew how was to bring their children to the gods to be offered up. Why am I telling you this horrible story? (laughs) 
Well, the reason is this tribe of the Chimu people is not that different from the tribal times of the Bible, mm. of the Old Testament. And when we understand the background, we see that the God of the Bible, the type of God that presents himself in Scripture, is so different to the gods of the ancient world. And we begin to see something of the nature and character of God. I want to take you back to a story told in 1 Kings 19. You may have heard of it before. It involves a man called Elijah. And he just had a showdown with the king and queen Ahab and Jezebel about whose God was the most powerful. Was it Yahweh, the name for the creator God, the God of the Hebrews, or was it other gods in the surrounding areas? And as it turns out, Yahweh wins the battle because God shows himself by fire. And this enrages Ahab and Jezebel so much that they start to pursue him to try to kill him. And Elijah flees to a cave in fear of his life. And it's there at the cave that God says, Elijah, I want to reveal myself to you. I want to show you what I'm like. And first of all, there's a great and mighty wind that tears through the rocks. But scripture says the Lord wasn't in the wind. And then there's an earthquake that shatters the mountains, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. Then came a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. How did the God of heaven and earth choose to reveal himself? He spoke in a voice. He spoke to Elijah about his life. He told him about what had happened and what was to come and what to do. He gave him direction. He gave him hope. God spoke to Elijah. See, this God reveals himself in a voice. He uses language. And the fact that God speaks meant that Elijah could know God personally. See, how do you get to know someone? You talk to them, don't you? You listen to them. You have a two-way conversation. Have you ever had a friend who does all the talking? <laughs> Everyone looks straight ahead. <laughs> Doesn't let you get a word in? Doesn't make for a great relationship, does it? You see, language, the ability to hear someone's voice makes a person knowable. Or think about how good it is when our little babies start to grow up. See, they're so cute when they goo and they gar and they, they, they cry, but hey, how good is it when they start to talk? And you start to discover what they're thinking and what their little personalities are like. See, this God, this God who is powerful, this God who showed himself through, through wind and fire and earthquake earlier on in Elijah's experience and earlier on in, in, the, in the Israelites' experience, the way that he wishes to define himself, however, is not through power but through personhood through speaking, the ability to be known. You and I, we, we know that God knows us. 
God, you created me in my mother's womb. You see my thoughts. You know me. But this God wants to be known. And he offers us a way to be to be in communication through hearing God's voice. The God who spoke in ancient times. All the way through scripture, you see God talking. You see this phrase, and the word of the Lord came to. The word of the Lord came to Abraham, to Moses, to Joshua. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah and Jeremiah and Amos. All the way through the Old Testament, God is speaking, largely through prophets, chosen mouthpieces of God who would hear God's message and then pass it on to the people. And then, of course, as we fast forward through time and we start to see the God who speaks back ultimately in Jesus, the one who came as the word of God in the flesh. See, the prophets spoke the words of God, but Jesus came as the word of God. Everything Jesus said was God speaking to us. But not only what Jesus said with his mouth, but what Jesus did with his actions. The way that God spoke when Jesus lifted the children on his lap. The way that God spoke when Jesus touched the leper that no one would touch. The way that God spoke when Jesus walked on the water and declared his authority over creation. The way that God spoke when Jesus embraced the adulterous woman who everyone condemned, the way that God spoke when Jesus lifted out his arms and died on a cross. God was speaking through Jesus, the one who spoke back in everything he did and everything he said. How good it would it have been to be a disciple? How good would it have been to have a two-way conversation with the living word of God in the flesh? You could talk to Jesus as you're walking down the streets of Jerusalem, couldn't you? You could ask him questions as you were having bread and olives in the dining halls of Jerusalem. You could listen to Jesus speak on the temple steps. So you can only imagine how horrified the disciples would have been when Jesus announced to them, hey guys, I've got to leave. What? mean you've got to leave? Jesus, you can't leave. How are we going to know what to do? You're about to give us the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Um, We've never done that before. Uh, We're meant to help build the church, but Jesus, um, what's a church? (laughs) You can't leave. How are we going to know? What you're saying. Do you remember what Jesus said? It will be better if I leave. Because if I leave, I will send you my spirit. And my spirit will remind you of everything that I have said. All the truths about salvation. What the kingdom of God is like. What the nature and character of God is. My spirit will remind you of those things. The truth is now recorded for us as scripture. But you are going to have so many more questions. And you can't handle 
all the information right now. But don't worry, because I'm going to send you my spirit. And my spirit's going to speak to you about things to come. As you go on your way, as you go beyond the streets of Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, my spirit's going to speak to you. My spirit's going to apply the truths of the gospel, what I came to establish, and apply it to your context wherever you go, wherever you are. It will be better if I go. And then, of course, Jesus dies. He's resurrected and ascends to heaven. And the moment that he promised, the moment that everyone had been waiting for, the moment that the prophets had longed for on the day of Pentecost, a Jewish feast, when the disciples were gathered, the day comes. And the Holy Spirit is poured out on all people. And there's so many amazing things that happen that day speaking in different spiritual languages. All sorts of phenomena are happening. But I want you to notice the thing that the Apostle Peter points out when he stands up amongst the crowd and he says, this is what was promised by the prophet, that when my spirit comes, your young men will have visions and your old men will have dreams and your sons and daughters will prophesy. What does that mean? I used to think I knew what that meant. I I was sitting in church and I would hear that verse and I'd think, well, you know, sometimes there's old men in church and, you know, they sit up the back and, you know, sometimes the preacher goes on and on and on, right? And the old men, they fall asleep. And so they might have some dreams. That's what it means, right? And the young men, because they're so young and full of zeal and life, they're up the front row and they have vision. Like they're writing down their 10-year plan for their life. They've got vision. Is that what it meant? (laughs) What was Peter talking about? Well, he was quoting a promise from the prophets. You see, back then, the prophets were the main ones who could hear God's voice. So they would hear God's voice mainly in visions and dreams, a a kind of picture language that God communicated with. Have you heard that phrase, a a picture tells a thousand words? God would often speak that kind of creative way and they would hear God's voice in dreams and visions and they would prophesy, which just means pass it on to the people, just Speak it out, let them know what the message was. So, so what, was he, what was the Apostle Peter saying in this moment? The, the moment that everyone had been waiting for? This same promise that came to the prophets just as they could hear God's voice in dreams and visions. So now all people, sons and daughters, young and old, male and female, Everyone can now hear God's voice for themselves. They can hear God's voice in visions and dreams and they can speak it out. They can prophesy. Everyone can now have a direct line to the God who speaks back. The God who spoke to the prophets in ancient times. The God who spoke through Jesus. The God who now speaks 
to the Spirit. Because Peter goes on to say, this promise is not just for you assembled here this day. No, no, no. It's for your children and it's for their children and it's for their children after that and all the generations to come right down to the 21st century, right down to the northeast of England, right down to Sunderland and Newcastle and, and Darlington and Stockton and all of those places that I've never heard of. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. We have a Newcastle, north of Sydney. My spirit will come to everyone, everyone who chooses to follow Jesus can now hear the God who speaks back for themselves. Wherever we go, the spirit reminding us of everything that Jesus had established, but also taking the truth of that gospel and applying it to our situation, to our families, to our workplaces, to our churches, to our cities. The God who speaks through the Spirit. And that's what you see happen as the church goes on. The church hears from the Holy Spirit. The Word of God spreads and the Spirit begins to direct the church and the church continues Jesus' mission and ministry. I remember hearing about the God who spoke back and thinking, this, this is exciting. What would that be like? You see, I'd been in church for a long time and I, I, I tried to learn about God and I realised I knew a lot about God. I knew about his sovereignty, I knew about his goodness and I knew about his love, but it was all a theory and when I started to hear God's voice for myself, I realised I could get to know this God. So different to the ancient tribes who looked at their circumstances and tried to keep the gods happy, tried to guess at what the gods were thinking. I remember when I started to learn to hear God's voice and God began to speak to me about my ministry, about my calling in life. And I, I wondered how that could happen. I had no idea. <laughs> I was in a smaller church at that time and Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Tanya, you're going to be raised up in leadership here in this church. The, the minister is going to mentor you and you're going to work here one day a week at the office. I thought, oh, how's that? going to happen. I thought, well, actually, I'm a pretty good organiser, so I'll see if I can organise God a bit. <laughs> Maybe if I sit up the front row and, you know, wear some bright clothing, the minister might notice me. Or maybe I could, I could volunteer to babysit her. Something like that, perhaps. How does that happen? Was that you, God? A couple of weeks later, we were having a prayer time after at the church service. And the pastor came up to speak to me. She said, Tanya, um, God's spoken to me. He's, he's calling me to mentor you, to raise you up here in leadership in this church. And you're going to work here one day a week. <laughs> the next week, I was leading communion in church. The word of the Lord came to pass, and I began to see this God who was so powerful and so vast and so wise, but this God who was so personal, this God who spoke to Elijah 
spoke to me. I began to know what God was like for myself, this God who sends his spirit to speak into our lives, the God who speaks to us personally, sons and daughters, young and old, this promise is for every single one of us. Well, then the question comes, doesn't it? How do I hear what the Spirit is saying to me? It's the million-dollar question, right? And wouldn't we love a nice, easy answer? Step one, two, three, just do this, off you go. How do I get to hear God's voice? Do I have to go to Bible college? Is that what I need to do? Do I have to be super holy like Paul? To hear God's voice. <laughs> like, do I have to be a pastor to hear from God? How, what, what is the key to hearing God's voice? None of those things. To answer that question, I want to tell you a story. It's about a man called Brian. He lives on the South Island of New Zealand. Middle-aged guy. He's a surfer guy. If you meet him, you notice he's got blonde bleached spiky hair that sticks up. <laughs> and one morning Brian woke up and he was just getting ready for the day and the Holy Spirit spoke to him out of nowhere and said, Brian, I want you to make the bed. What? What? Make the bed? What? What? No, 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 no. No, Lisa... My wife, she makes the bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brian, I want you to make the bed. No, 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 no. My wife, Lisa, she makes the bed. She, she has a really good job of it too. It's very complicated. There's a lot of pillows and cushions and things. And no, she makes up. Brian, I want you to make the bed. So Brian goes to his wife. Honey, I think God's telling me to make the bed. So Lisa shows him how to do it. The first attempt was pretty bad. But Brian started to practice day after day making the bed. By the end of the month, he was pretty good at making the bed. A year later, Brian was still making the bed. God spoke again. Brian, now that you've developed a servant heart, I want you to lead the church. Brian became the senior pastor of the church in his town. And as he began to lead the church and do the work of the ministry, miracles started to happen. Gang members in his town were miraculously saved. It was the talk of the town. And God was doing something new. The town and the church celebrated. But I have a question for you. Would God have asked Brian to lead the church if he hadn't said yes to making the bed? See, what is the key to hearing God's voice. 
Well, it's not about knowledge, how much stuff we know. It's not about skill. It's not about how many years I've been a Christian. It's not about any of those things because we hear the voice of the Spirit through the posture of our heart. The Apostle Paul calls it the eyes of our heart. And it's the heart that says, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to do what you say. I want to know you. I want to know this God. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to walk with you. It's a posture of yes. I had no idea that at the age of 21 when I prayed that prayer, God, speak to me. Would you make it clear? And I'll do whatever you say. That I was doing what was needed to hear God's voice. A seeking heart, a hungry heart, a heart that longs to follow. In fact, a heart that comes on a Friday night to a prayer and worship night. That positions themselves to hear from the Holy Spirit. And the heart that says yes to God. The heart that says, Lord, I want to show my love by responding to you is like a magnet to the Holy Spirit. You see, we don't have to make God speak. We just have to listen to what God is saying, whatever that might be, whether it's to make the bed, whether it's to forgive that person who's wronged us, whether it's to give that money away that we're holding on to, whether it's to reach out to that neighbour who we might fear. See, the Spirit comes along and speaks to us and reminds us of the gospel, about what the kingdom is like and the foundation of our faith. But then, Holy Spirit, the God who speaks back, comes to speak into our lives, to call us to follow Jesus, to call us to lay down our lives for him and in doing so, find resurrection life. Why don't you stand with me as we spend some time just listening to God. Is that okay? This God who spoke in ancient times, this God who spoke in Jesus wants to speak to each one of us. And all it takes is a posture of listening, a posture of openness. Paul prayed for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. See, revelation comes through the heart. It doesn't come through the head. And it comes through a heart that seeks after God, that says yes to Jesus. And I want to invite you tonight to pray that crazy prayer I prayed at 21, if you are brave enough, because God is able to make himself clear. God is able to get the message across. And whether he speaks tonight, whether he speaks in this moment, whether he speaks tonight as you're brushing your teeth or as you sleep, Holy Spirit can get the message across. The ones that fuzzy it, the ones who obstruct it, that's us. That's us. That's our agenda. That's our sin. That's our selfishness. That's our desires get in the way. So when we relinquish that, when we set that down, when we surrender, when we take that posture, we're able to hear clearly. 
We're able to hear from the God who comes to bring us life, to set us free. And through that life will come blessing to so many others. We, we don't have a God who stands at a distance, who wants us to guess at what God is saying. We have a personal God. Father, we thank you that you came near. You came near in Jesus. You came and you come near by your Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we just come and we wait on you now. We open our spiritual ears. And if you feel you can, can you pray with me? That prayer of surrender. Lord, speak to me. Speak to me, God. My ears are open, my heart is open. Speak to me. And God, could you make it clear? Because there is a discernment there is a testing, God. I know I can get it wrong. I get in the way. My, my thoughts, my baggage gets in the way. So God, can you, can you make it clear? And Lord, I will do whatever you say. Lord, speak to me. Pray it with me. Lord, speak to me. God, would you make it clear? And I will do whatever you say.